Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today's episode of the Big Pop Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new set of windows or a new door can totally change the look, the feeling, the vibe of your home. Plus, it can add value to your home and can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home and work with the people at Pella second to none. Now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Give them a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Okay. A couple reminders, as always, subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscribe button, leave a five-star rating and review. It all helps. As always, you can email me at any moment you want. Anything that's on your mind, nick at nickbaugh.com. Anything that's uh, on your cranium, man, put in an email. I always like reading them. Uh, So the email is open at any time, nick at nickbaugh.com. And boy, we've had a ton of good pods lately, man. Uh, Husker Hoops fans, if you missed it, I just had a great chat, about 30 to 40 minutes, uh, with Nebraska basketball assistant Matt Abdelmassi. He is the uh, master recruiter for Fred Hoiberg, and so you want to get up to speed with all things Husker Hoops, make sure you go check that out. I, I talked to Fran Fraschilla, ESPN college basketball analyst, about the tournament and about all things college basketball, Greg McDermott and Fred Hoiberg, a bunch of different things there. Bo Rude and I have had a couple of really good podcasts on Nebraska football on a variety of fronts. Make sure you check that out. Also, I had two really good conversations with uh, on the Creighton side of things with Mitch Ballock and Marcus Zagorowski. Bottom line is there's just tons of good stuff. If you miss any of the pods, just go back to the podcast feed uh, and uh, you can go back and listen to them, man. So make sure you go check all those things out. I am uh, I'm tracking down a Nebraska, a fun Nebraska football guest for next week. I'm really hoping this one comes through. Um, so stay tuned for that. So the pod is rolling. It is rolling right now. And as always, thank you for downloading and listening and supporting the podcast. Okay, on the podcast today, Steve Sipple columnist, Lincoln Journal star. Uh, also, you can hear him on the radio. Early break, 6 to 8 a.m. Steve Sipple is with one of the best guys in the world, Jake Sorensen, uh, 93.7, the ticket. And uh, you know, I've always liked Sip a lot. I, I've He's always been good to me. And uh, you know, I find Sip to be measured and thoughtful and insightful and kind of funny in his own way and unique. And he's just a guy that has a great pulse on the Nebraska sports world. You know, I never miss a column that he writes. I've really enjoyed Steve Sipple on the radio uh, quite a bit. And he's a guy that's plugged in, man, with Bill Moose and Scott Frost. And I've paid really extra, uh, paid some extra close attention to to what Sip has to say and write with regards to Nebraska during this time of uncertainty as, you know, the calendar is about to turn to August and uh, we're going to have to be making some decisions on college football in the fall coming down the pike. So uh, this was a really, really Interesting conversation. Uh, I enjoyed this pod with Sip as much as or more than any I've done in a while. I mean, we touched on a bunch of stuff with college football's return, the pandemic, what's at stake here in the fall, Adrian Martinez, Scott Frost. I mean, we hit on a bunch of different things. Uh, We went darn near an hour. So I think you guys are really going to love this. I think you guys are really, really going to get a lot out of this. I thought Sip was fantastic, as always. So let's get to it, man. Let's get to it. Here is my podcast chat with Steve Sipple. Enjoy. Online now is a guy that uh, really everybody loves, especially me. I love this guy. Steve Sipple, columnist, Lincoln Journal star, but most importantly, host of a uh, morning show with one Jake Sorensen on 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, Sip, you know that I'm a I'm a 93.7 ticket alum. You you and I you and I have a have have a common bond there. Yeah, you that, that's amazing. Yeah, you uh, would you say that was was that 
how close to the start of your radio career was that? that was right after I did Chick and Nick from 2009 to 2012. And then I was with the ticket for about a year doing a show with Jake Bogus. And then yeah. I went back to 1620 The Zone to do my, my solo show. So it was it was a it was kind of a huge it was it was kind of a, a big turning point in my career because it was like my first time not being with Chick and and you know do, doing so, you know sometimes when you change the scenery it can it can be a little bit different but yeah it was it was early on in my career man yeah the ticket's a good little shot it I is mean, uh, it, it really is and, I, and i'm really i'm really 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 fortunate to work with jake Sorensen, who's as you know is one of the most upbeat guys yes. ever now so yeah we have that commonality the one thing i take issue with you saying is i'm universally love well, I, I, i'll tell you one thing that's not true oh, uh, come on <laughs> but, uh, i but i guess when you're in your mid-50s I, enemies sometimes accumulate you know what that's a part of the deal i guess that is yeah. that is a part of the deal did you know that i played a I played on like the ticket rec league team for a year. So I was, oh, God I was with, so it was, uh, first of all, Jake Sorensen is, uh, he's kind of like Eddie house. Like the guy has a, he's a gunner. He takes any shot anywhere at any time. Jake bogus got technical fouls from arguing with the refs in a rec league game, which was hilarious. <laughs> and then we had Dan Hoppin was on our team. He was just like his dad, just a, a low post grinder down there it was uh it was some good basketball for one winter with uh with the ticket boys uh that is i hope people understand that you played division one basketball <laughs> uh, <laughs> i just am having a hard time with the optic of you playing with those guys no offense to any of them <laughs> or maybe total offense to all of them i, I, I don't know I mean, my brother won't play golf with me because he says he's worried about his game being affected negatively. I can't. I, I had to. I have to think you worried about that a little bit. I I will say, it, now I had a blast, but I will say I, you know, I rarely play anymore. Ever since my health stuff, I don't know. I just I, I rarely get out there and 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 play pickup. I mean, it's been years since I've I've played. But I even before that, I was a little bit of a pickup game basketball snob, like. I picked I picked and choose my games and and who I was playing with, you know what I mean? Like I I I wasn't you know there's certain guys that are like, "Man, I'll play anywhere anytime." You know the 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 courts by Jim Agger, the the golf course in Lincoln like yeah, they all know like, those courts. Yeah. yeah. The, I'm not one of those guys that's necessarily just going to show up and just play with anybody. I was a little bit of a snob back in the day, Sip. I was. <laughs> well, yeah, with that bunch that you just talked about, you had to be like a Kimalaja one. <laughs> I don't know what I, I I don't even know what I tried to be. I, I don't like know. Julius I tried to be Dr. J, Bill Russell, Magic. <laughs> I tried to be everything. I tried. I, I tried a little bit of everything, but it was uh, it it was fun. It really it really was. Did you have you have you liked doing radio? Like doing a daily radio show has that helped your writing? Get because sometimes it's nice to get like a a. a a pulse of, of taking calls and what's going on on a daily basis, or has it maybe clouded your vision of what's a big topic and what isn't? No, it's helped. I, I now people maybe can't tell by my actual writing, but it, but it is, it is definitely helped. Me. I mean, it's, I can't, Nick, I can't even tell you how much, yeah. like, because you, and you, you, for people who don't know, like the one thing I always noticed about you is how, you'd have that legal pad you you were really prepared yeah you, now so radio if you do it right you have to you know ideally you put your thoughts together going in i mean it can be off the cuff and all that it can be spontaneous but i think so just the very act of every day five days a week having to put my thoughts together yeah that that helps my writing and i'm for sure. And I, and you, as you probably know, cause we've been around each other somewhat, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can be, I'm pretty easily distracted <laughs> and, <laughs> and I know that. And, and, um, that helps me stay tied in. I, I always felt like when, before I did a lot of radio, I could drift off into places that didn't really help my sports writing. Sure. You know? Sure. So, the, so this definitely, uh, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've walked out of a show and thought, you know what, that's a column and, and wrote it, you yep. know, 
Um, so yeah, it definitely bleeds over and I would not have it any other way. Do you think during this time, so during this, you know, when sports has been canceled for the past four months, have you noticed in your columns or on the doing the doing radio, do people want all coronavirus and when sports and college football is going to come back conversations or do they want, hey, here's what I think, uh, you know, this is going to be really the, the outside linebackers and you got to get a pass rush, you got to do this, whatever. Like, because sometimes I've struggled with that even with my podcast of like when I, I'll enter into prognosticating and predicting and talking about the actual season, but there's always this elephant in the room of like, well, let's just hope that there is a season. How, how have you seen balancing those two things? That, I mean, the key word is balancing. I think there are, I think that people want some of the sort of talk that we would judge as normal. Yeah. Um, but we all know, I think at this point, and I think that conversation has changed a little bit. I think it's, now it's swung more toward the question you probably get all the time from people. Is it going to happen? Is college football going to happen? Is football going to happen? Is college basketball going to happen? Um, that it's, I think it's right now you want to stay in that realm for the most part. Yeah. But I, I don't think, I think people still want to know, for instance, what Nebraska has on defense and what, you know, how Adrian's doing and Adrian Martinez, yep. um, I think it's there's it's like anything else. I don't think you want to go too far one way or the other, but and, and I'll tell you that, that. And I don't know what you would say, Nick. The thing that's been most surprising to me during this period since mid March is I haven't had any trouble coming up with things to write about or talk about. It seems yeah. like there's the conversation evolves. There's news that springs up along the way, um, and I, I even think if if they would extend the situation into November, if they started in November, like the guys, I think the guys I work with are, you know, they get concerned. What are we going to do? What are we going to write about? Well, what I would say is, and you, you're in the business now, you've been in the business. Mm -hmm. I, what you come to understand is the world keeps spinning and people keep talking and they say things that are interesting and there's things getting done. Um, the news just never really stops. So, um, I know I spun out there, but no, that, that's one saying. thing I've found to be sort of heartening through all this. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I agree. I, you know, when everything, because even me doing a podcast twice a week, I was a, yeah. there was a part of me that was like, oh man, what is this going to be like? And I've, it's been, it hasn't been as daunting as I've anticipated, but I also think we've we've gotten to this place in sports content producing where if you're just a react to what happened last night kind of a person you're not going to last very long and you you <laughs> right. know you you have to balance manufacturing stories with being thought provoking you know what i mean yeah. you can't and and so I, I think that's where where i feel like someone like you has done a nice job throughout this time of of finding that balance because i think that's where that's the sweet spot nowadays sip it is for sure. And you're, and you've always been good at the thought provoking part, especially on your show when you were, when you did that solo show, which was incredible. Uh, but yeah, and, and now I'll tell you what ha helps. What has really helped is Bill Moose, his availability. Yeah. Um, Scott, 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 not as available as Moose. So I wouldn't expect Scott to be different situations. Um, but just Nebraska's sort of posture in this has been helpful, I think, particularly Moose. Um, I don't. I think what happens, it's interesting to me, and, and this is age, there's benefits to being old. And, <laughs> okay. So there are. Yeah, you, sure. you have perspective. And we, you know, we had so often complain about maybe Bill Byrne, maybe his lack of availability sometimes, or uh, Sean Eichhorst's. He was definitely, there was oh a lack gosh. of availability yeah. and we, we kind of moan about it. Um, and now Bill's really accessible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we take it for granted, but I don't. And the, and the only reason I'm going there, Nick, is because, I mean, Moose has said to me on a few occasions that he wants to talk. It goes, this goes to what you were just talking to me about and asking me about. He wants to talk about football. And wants to talk about the issues that they're dealing with because I, he thinks it's important for people a to hear him and and, and b just to be somewhat entertained yeah. and keep them 
keep the keep the fans engaged. Um, and I think your role is big in that way. And Moose, I'm, I'm I feel really grateful that Moose has that sort of mentality. I mean, it's he he makes it a point kind of to make himself available, just to you know to get keep the discussion going sure. so people have something to chew on. I, you know, it's hard, sit because when you when you argue for college football and its return. Some people want to minimize you to someone. And I'm not saying you being you, but like I'm someone that argues for football's return. I'm just saying you be anybody that, that argues for it. People want to minimize you as someone who's insensitive to the pandemic or, or maybe you're anti-science or something like that. And I don't think that's fair at all. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not anti-science and I'm certainly sensitive to the reality of the pandemic. But there's another side to this discussion that I think is is real and super important. And it's been fascinating to watch that divide. Because something you said early on was we got to keep it between two ditches. You know, you got the you know you got the pandemic and the and you know the the cases and the deaths versus the financial reality of what sports is is all about and and all that's tethered to that. It's been interesting to watch all that unfold for four months sure has and it's it doesn't it, it tends to be a divisive conversation it doesn't have to be no um i guess the best way to put it in trying to keep it from being divisive is of course you have to be you have to recognize the significance of the virus and the of the danger it's a it's a wicked virus mm-hmm. And as a 54-year-old with asthma, of course I respect it. I have to. Um, now, the only thing I've, I've been sort of disappointed by is that I think we have to be sensitive to the virus, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think people are. But I'm surprised sometimes by the insensitivity toward we'll, what we'll call society and the, the issues that – that are a byproduct of shutting down businesses. Um, I'm talking about marital strife, you know, domestic issues, yes, drug use. Right. Um, I mean, it really is, it takes a toll and it, it's not just a financial toll, although the financial toll is a real discussion. It's a real discussion that I'm, I, my only disappointment is how insensitive people have been toward that at times. I'm not, I know a, I have a friend who lost who's lost four of his five businesses. Mm, um, I have, uh, I mean, I, it, we all, we all can do the anecdotal thing. Sure. Um, but you know, there's, there's people losing jobs at a, at remarkable levels. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's fair to be insensitive to them. I have a friend who runs the, well, she's not a friend. I met her and she's, uh, she runs the Red Fox, which yep. is a bar that's been around. You've been around yep. Lincoln. It's been on, out there on West O since uh, 80, 1989. And it's been a staple for me because I, you know, I work in that area and I go that down in that area. And she's just battling. It's just a battle to keep that thing alive. It's a battle to keep a Lincoln staple alive every day. So I, I And when you talk to someone like that and you literally see tears in her eyes, I – how can you not be sensitive to it? Yeah. I, and here's the thing, you know, when, when, cause I know I've had conversations with people and like for everything that you were just saying, if there was someone that was anti college football's return or whatever, it, it, their rebuttal could be, well, at least they're alive. And if the card that is always played is life versus death, then I guess they're, then like I concede it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and, and I guess we have to, it, I, I get annoyed with like, this lack of acknowledgement of that gray area that we're talking about that that yes i certainly understand if 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 everything just gets whittled down to life versus death then then literally i i it's over i tap out it's done we can't really have a further conversation i just think there's there's more to that i mean i know for me i mean i i, I won't run away from it sip hey man no, if there's no if there's no college basketball i'm in trouble I'm in big trouble. You know, I mean, this is what I, I've, I mean, I've put, uh, this has been my dream to be on TV doing college basketball as an analyst. And you know, I mean, there's a vested interest in this returning and yeah, sure. Is, is a part of that, a selfish prism I'm looking through, I guess, but I, I'm, I know I'm certainly not alone in, you know, my ability to, to make a living being tied to sports and its return. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, listen, careers have been ended by this thing. Careers. I mean, that's, so no, I'm not, I, I would never apologize for being mindful of that. Right. Um, you can be, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be separate conversations. Thank you. They're, yeah. Yeah. The, the, these conversations can occur concurrently. I just felt like there was a period and maybe it's, I think it's swung in a, this, I think it's swung in a concurrent direction, but where I'd always be sort of amazed by people who are dismissive of businesses closing and never coming back. Right. And if, I'm going to tell you something, if, if, if Nebraska wouldn't play football and I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll play. Um, we can get to that, but yeah. if they didn't play, I don't know if people understand what, I mean, I've had people say to me, I'll sip, you just have to weather it for a year and come back. Uh, when businesses close, they typically don't come back. When industries close, they typically don't come back. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to think about what a lot of the college towns in America would look like if there were no season. And to be in, 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 and if you're trying to tell me I'm being like overly sensitive or not sensitive to, I guess the pandemic, then that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Right. I mean, it's, so yeah, don't get me wound up. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. You know, again, I've, I've been listening to you throughout the last four months and I, I, I find myself nodding my head a lot to, to what you're saying. And I, I, again, we, we love to, we love to make things black and white and pit against each other. And I just don't, I think we can, we, we can have, have both sides have equal and uh, credence and and emotion yeah. invested in it. That's just we're wrestling with it. We're yeah. all we all have to wrestle with it every right. day, right? Right. I mean, you have a young family. You have to wrestle with this every day. I have to. I. I. We all do, and I think college football does. It's a man. You have to manage it. It may kind of be like Marty Bird on on uh, <laughs> Ozark. Yeah. I mean, it's situations get presented. Um you have to assess them and figure out how you're going to do it. I think that's the best way to do it. I agree. And we all, and it's not, I mean, I'm not, we all have to do it. So that's, that's my position. You know, I, I think there is a, this idea out there that if, you know, and, and this was frost point that you loved and I loved as well, that didn't kind of take off like I thought it would of, you know, that there's this idea out there that if if you don't play sports, all these college athletes won't get coronavirus and they will be safer. And I yeah. just don't I don't totally agree with that. I, I I don't. And, you know, all I can do is sometimes something I try to do is like think back and and put myself in in, you know, yeah. you know, to okay, well go back to when I was in college and Sip, I was a guy that I was, you know, I was a fairly focused guy, a fairly driven guy, but just like any college kid, I'd get, I couldn't see past Friday night in a big party or I'd get distracted by a pretty girl or whatever, right? Sure. You yeah. know, you, if you would have taken away basketball from me, I'd have been in trouble. I, I would have been in trouble. And I just, you take away football from these players and they lose structure, they lose, lose medical supervision. And maybe most importantly, they lose the motivation to make good decisions. And that's all-encompassing. That is continuing oh, yeah. to go to class. That is, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go to that house party where it could be a, you know, a, a, a potentially unsafe situation because you know what? I'm playing Ohio State this weekend, and that's more important. Whatever. I, don't, I, I think that's something that I, I know you've been hammering it, and I've been hammering like, I think we need to continue to hammer that for people to kind of think about that. Right. I, I, I agree with you, too, that Scott, what Scott was trying to do a little bit in meeting with a couple reporters is change the mindset. And I, I think it it res his message that you just laid out r really well, by the way, I think it resonated with some people. But I, I'm, I agree with you. It didn't take off maybe like I thought it might. I, and I don't I don't. Well, I don't want to get into it too much. But I don't <laughs> totally understand why, because he makes a lot. You, I don't have to go through it. It makes so much sense. It does to me. Yeah, it it really does. If if we're really really worried about the athlete, the student athlete, then I, I think you have to look at that. And I don't, I don't. It it it's just it's sort of a common sense thing. I I was sort of surprised when he said it that I had never thought about it. I mean, I think we use football sort of this is like a symbolic thing. Almost. I mean, the, the, in it unfairly. Right. I, I think 
that it's it's sort of silly to think these student athletes aren't going to contract COVID nineteen if if everything is shut down. If Scott's Scott really believed that they're more susceptible if it's shut down. Now, no, you could never prove it, so we don't know, need to go down that road. But I, um, yeah, I thought what he said made too much sense. I, I, so there was a I read a quote back in March that kind of stuck with me right when all this stuff broke, and it was I'm going to butcher it. it was some to the extent of you know a crisis reveals what's already broken. It doesn't oh, yeah. necessarily break something, and Bear with me here, because I like, I, I think what it is, you know, sports and and football in this case are kind of positioned or categorized as a distraction or entertainment to people. But it's interesting that over the course of time, sip, it's amazing how essential it's become of what we're talking about for so many people, places, things, and even you know American culture. And I, I initially, I, I kind of was minimized it when the virus broke and we lost sports. It was kind of like, well, that's too bad. I enjoyed that. You know, we're not going to have that for a little bit. But the reality is it's way more than that. And it's been amazing, you know, because, you know, the anecdotes that you were talking about, like if we don't have college football season, it is it's financial Armageddon for a lot of different industries and a lot of different people. And if you would have asked me a year ago, hey, what would happen if you wouldn't have one college football season? I don't know if I would have said, oh, oh my God, it's going to be Armageddon. So I guess my question to you in this long winded Mm -hmm. soapbox here, like how did we get to this point where so many things and people and places have have hitched and leveraged their livelihoods to football and if just one season sip just one season doesn't happen it is totally armageddon well it's not for it's not that for all places for instance i would i was talking to the uh one of the sports writers in champaign illinois now, Champaign, Illinois is a college town. That's what it is. But it, it, Champaign wouldn't be as nearly as affected as Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, and I would suggest to you that I don't think the conversation as it applies to the University of Nebraska and the city has changed that much in recent years. Okay. I think, you know, we hitched – I mean – the city of Lincoln hitched its wagon to the university a long time ago and, and then sports a long time ago. So that's not a recent phenomenon. I think you could go back easily to the Devaney years and you would say if you shut down the 1972 season that the city of Lincoln would be profoundly impacted. I don't know if as much as it would now, maybe more, I don't know, but it would be, come on, I mean, I know intuitively that that would have been an incredible situation back then. I just, I guess you'd say we've never really had to think about it yeah. till now. Okay. Um, but, it, and, it, and it, let's face it, it's not the same situation everywhere. I'd say Lincoln's a pretty extreme example too. I think um, because of the sellout streak and what, what Nebraska draws and because we're a relatively small state that uh, it's going to affect Lincoln more than, some a lot probably a lot of other places but that's not to say i mean listen i mean you, you go to i guess lansing michigan it's going to have a profound effect ann arbor uh, i'm not going to diminish what it would do to a lot of other places but i would say that nebraska and lincoln nebraska is is a pretty extreme example you know you brought up how you know everybody's kind of wrestling with this and this is where i felt like i've had these internal hypocritical moments in my mind in terms of moving forward, you know, with the Big Ten announcing, hey, we're going to do Big Ten only and being cool with the haves and the have nots and that gap really widening here. And this is where I'm a hypocrite a little bit in terms of the sensitivity to all involved, because what's hard is I'll argue the financial reality and, and severity of this situation but I'm also willing to kind of shrug my shoulders at, to a certain extent at certain F- FCS programs struggling or a non-revenue generating sports struggling because there's always been this part of me that's like, listen, if your business model hinges on going to Columbus, Ohio and losing 77 to 7 for your program to exist, let's be honest, that's not a great business model. Or if you're a sport that loses millions and millions of dollars every year, I, I don't know. I mean, like, that's not that's not good. So I've I've had this hypocritical battle in my mind. How have, how has that been for you? I I don't 
you know, I don't size it up that way in my mind. I just, I just look at it as reality. I mean, it's just, that's, I think that's the best way to do it. It's just, it's, it's, I haven't pondered it that much because I just look at it like this is such an extreme and unique situation that the by that the byproducts of it, of an extreme and unique situation, I, I don't want to attach a lot of feeling to them. I just think it's about, I don't want to attach guilt. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to attach much emotion at all because of the, because it's so big and it's so unique. It just sort of is reality. And that's what we're dealing with. I don't, I don't feel guilt about it, um, about the way I assess it because it just is, that yeah. just, it just is what it is. And I've been, you know, I, maybe I went through that a little bit initially. I had some talks with some people that are really connected in the college world early in the process. And the things they were saying to me, bowled me over. Like, like it wasn't about athletic programs shutting down. It wasn't about, it was, I'll just get right to it. It was about universities shutting down if there was no college football or if there was more to the point, if, if kids couldn't come back to campus and the financial nightmare that not, I'm not talking about Nebraska. I'm talking about uh, FCS teams, group, even group of five universities, Nick, mm-hmm. um, smaller schools like in the Arkansas chain, you know, mm-hmm. um, like a, I'm not saying Arkansas Little Rock's about to close, but schools of that nature um, where, where I was talking to leaders who would say, listen, simple, we're talking about universities shutting down. Okay. And, and again, that's where I, where I was, I would get sort of angered by people that would kind of shrug their shoulders and say, so, Mm -hmm. well, really? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't concern you that there's entire universities that could shut down because of this. Um, so that that's, you know, and that's, that's worst case scenario talk. That would be no football and right. students not being able to come back. But listen, that's been a real discussion. Sure, it has. sure. Yeah, the thing that I've, you know, as I've apparently like schizophrenic and have these conversations in my head here, we've all had a lot of time of thinking here. But I, I yeah. the thing I've kept on saying to myself is it's it's hard to expect an imperfect situation to have a perfect solution. It's oh, yeah. not going to be perfect. You can't keep everyone healthy. You can try to keep as many as possible. You can't save everyone financially. You can try to save some. And however the chips fall within that pursuit, you got to kind of live with it, I guess, is kind of how I've yeah. rectified it. Yeah, I mean, I hope, yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's not going to look this college football season, and I'm confident it's going to happen, just you know, it's going to happen, Yep. but it's not going to look anywhere near like we, usual, like what we've become accustomed to. So we, I think people have to, I hope they're getting mentally ready for just that. Sure. That it's, that it's not going to be, it's not going to look normal and it's not going to feel normal. I do think it's important that we, that we go forward. And as I always say, wrestle with it, but yeah, there's, I don't know how it's going to look when we come out of it, how it's going to look, how college athletics is going to look when we come out of it. How many fewer sports are there going to going to be if I I just and you know what, Nick, right now on whatever it is, June 21, June 22nd, it's we don't you know, it's scary. We don't have a lot of answers, but we're going to get quite a few within the next 12 to 14 days. I mean, there's got to be a flurry of things that we're going to really have to try to process. Okay, they're going to try this. How's this going to affect things in the immediate and down the road? It's got to be quite a challenge. Um, but right now, we don't, it's, you know, we're probably 12 to, like I said, 10 to 12 to 14 days away from finding out quite a bit. Yeah, what's the what's the key within that? To that, what... well, I think the key is the... The key, in my opinion, is the conference commissioners, particularly the Power Five group of commissioners, I hope that they come together as leaders. And it's not completely, you know, they're not 
completely making decisions independent of right. each other. Right. And I think that's important. We always kind of go to this this discussion about a football czar is really cropped up, a football czar, someone to oversee college football, which, you know, naturally that that conversation sprung up during this. But I think it's those power five commissioners. I hope that, you know, they make sound decisions and I hope they make those decisions with the other guys in mind. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And uh, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha-Lincoln area. Bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella, so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. There has been this element, and and I, I... I'm certainly one of those people that thinks time, you know, although although college football is running out of time, I do think you have to try to use time as a as a resource in in gaining more knowledge and information on things. But at the same time, it's kind of like doesn't it kind of feel like for four months you've heard this phrase? I'll tell you what, the next two weeks are going to be really telling. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard yeah. that for four months. And so I keep on hearing, you know, when people talk about like, you know, whether or not college football happens, it's going to happen in the next two weeks. It's like, well, what? I don't, I mean, doesn't it kind of come down to, you know, in, in your mind where you get these college football commissioners together and they got to kind of look at each other and say, listen, are we doing this or what? Like, right. I, what, what I do think there is a limit, right? Um, yeah. It was, you know, you're right. Initially, Bill Moose would say mid-June to late June, we got to make some hard decisions. Well, and you're right. And I think there are other ADs in that camp where it just kept getting pushed back. But we've reached a threshold now. Where mm-hmm. it's, I mean, there's just some logistics that have yeah. to be worked out. I mean, the crowd situation, travel, um, all sorts of things. If they're going to change the, the Big Ten schedule uh, dramatically, then – then there's going to be travel considerations that have to be um, worked out quickly. So I think we've reached the threshold now where it's got to happen. How feasible, Sip? I've heard you mention this on you know char- characterizing Moose and Nebraska's position on this thing as really aggressive in terms of wanting football to happen. How feasible is it if if let's let's doom and gloom this if the Big Ten cancels this like they're like nope we're not going to do it that Nebraska goes off on their own and puts up a you know an open for business sign and tries to piece together some schedule with whoever wants to play is that even a feasible thing well it's a really interesting conversation um scott has t- i've talked to scott scott about it and his chief of staff jared lambrecht um they've characterized it as very characterized it as being very feasible okay um as a last resort. Now, Bill Moose is, is hesitant to talk about it. Um, cause he, I just don't think, well, first of all, Nick, I don't think the commissioner of the big 10 would want his ADs talking about going rogue. Right. Um, right. Especially right now. Yes. I mean, right now it's that they've, they've come out and said, we're going to play a, a conference only schedule. So Bill, doesn't want to talk about it i think the key in it i I think nebraska as an institution had to gain a level of understanding what it's 
charter with the Big Ten if it even allowed it. I mean, I think that I think only recently have they begun to really address that. And I don't know what the result is on that. Uh, as I told you off air, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on vacation from the paper right now, so I'm not doing a lot of hardcore reporting. I haven't talked to Bill Moose for over a week, and that's my next question. But again, the last time I asked him about a regional schedule, Scott has called it. Um, he just didn't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, here's the thing. I mean, the way Scott has characterized it is this. If something would break down in the big 10 and it just, they, de- they determine it's not, it's not feasible to go forward. Nebraska, I believe would try to throw something together. I shouldn't put it that way, but they would try to devise a re- what I would call regional schedule, 500 mile radius. And I've even heard it mentioned. There's a wild card team in the West that they might play. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so those discussions are, have definitely occurred. Now, I don't know how much with other schools, but in-house, I know for a fact they've occurred. Sip, I want, to, I want to, a couple more football things, and I'll let you run, dude. I really appreciate your time here. Oh, uh, you're fine. J.D. Spielman, um, and his, you know, he announces that he's officially transferring to TCU. I Like, to me, I when people have asked me about it, to me, him leaving, J.D. Spielman leaving says more about him than it does Frost and the, and the program. Like, and I just look at it as Spielman had sip what 99.9% of football players want. And that is a prominent role, tons of targets, focal point of a big time program. And he walked away from it. And I realized it's a very layered, nuanced situation. But how do you see the J.D. Spielman situation now that he is officially going to be a horn frog uh, in Fort Worth? I don't know. It's interesting. You're, you're, you're always interesting to talk to. And I think you size things up well probably because of your background i mean it's a division one athlete you characterize that really well and i hope people understand that okay jd did walk away from it he did i mean it was a mute you know it's nebraska's formal response was it's a mutual parting and it was it was mutual um i think that I think that's the best way to answer these questions about JD. Okay. That it was it was a mutual party. And and I'm and I mean that in the very pure sense of that term, mutual. JD and Nebraska, I think both would tell you they're better off at separately. I think I know that sounds weird for people to uh, hear that considering that JD's the third all-team all-time leading receiver in Nebraska. He's got 3 800 yard seasons under his belt. So it sounds kind of weird, especially sounds weird to probably people on the outside, but it was not a, I mean, I don't think Scott, and you know, again, I've heard the same thing, but you know how complicated things can get with student athletes. The best way to put it is, um, it wasn't very, it wasn't a healthy relationship. And, um, I don't know how much further I can go. It's just, yeah, you don't have to. I don't want to put you in a weird spot. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, certainly a I big just, story, though. You know, but I, but I totally hope people understand. And here's the other thing you can say now, because JD's acknowledged it in his timeline on Twitter. You know, anxiety and depression mm-hmm. were a part of mm-hmm. the issue with JD. He's he's acknowledged it publicly now, and that complicates the discussion. Um, it really does. It does. I think he was he literally needed to take. He needed to get away. And then you get into this whole then it gets really murky. It's like because that that discussion in itself is complicated. So I think the best the best way to put it is good for JD. He's going to a place that's, you know, he's getting a fresh start yep. after taking some needed time off. He's going to a place where they need him. I, my judgment is they need him pretty bad at TCU, but I think Nebraska is probably, you know, I think they, they feel good about their situation. I agree. I, I agree. I want to talk Adrian. I want to talk about Adrian Martinez for a second. Cause you know, Frost kind of, kind of finally kind of went there, gosh, about a month ago or a few weeks ago with Martinez yeah. and that quote of, you know, he was, he won't be lax in his preparation kind of a thing. And it was the first time that Frost had kind of somewhat 
criticized him because because last year's regression with Martinez was really really interesting. I mean, every week it was it was head scratching, and you know, every once in a while you'd see flashes. Maybe the second half against Illinois on the road, you'd go, "Ooh, okay, there there's who, there there he is." But for whatever reason, it just it wasn't there. And, you know, there were some people during the year last year that said Frost, you know, he's got a blind spot for Martinez or whatever. And, you know, I've always wondered if some of it is Frost looks at Martinez and sees himself and that he remembers what it was like to be the quarterback at Nebraska and how hard it, it, it was when when the maybe the fans are, are starting to murmur a little bit. And when he got pulled out of that game in Central Florida in 97 – where even though it was planned, he remembers what that felt like, and so he remembers what it felt like for Osborne to back him and commit to him. And I think that that was, as much as anything, kind of guided him throughout this thing. But it's weird because with the Martinez conversation, we can't act like the 2018 season didn't happen. Like, he was a really good player as a freshman. He ha- he did kind of earn a benefit of the doubt to a certain extent, but it has been. It was. I just found that quote really interesting when you when you size up the first two years and and even looking at some of Frost's background. Oh yeah, that, I mean, we could fire up another podcast about Adrian alone. Yes, I mean, that that you talk about a nuanced conversation, but yeah, I was now Frost had made mention of that remark to which you referred a couple times to me off the record. Okay. So I was I was a little surprised when he went with it on the record. Adrian didn't always prepare with the same urgency last season that he did in two eighteen. When he had you know, he had to go win the job. He had to beat out Tristan Jebbia, you remember yes. for that job in the fall in the fall preceding the two eighteen season. And it was a spirited competition. Now he didn't have that. And Scott said you know, he backed off a little bit. Um, Adrian. So that was pretty revealing. Um, but I, I mean, the conversation is here's what I, and I'm, and I'll tell you what, I know what I, I know this and I get pegged as this. I'm a big time Adrian defender. Me too. I'll be an apologist. Yeah. Yes. yeah and I think you understand the situation and that Adrian and Scott has made reference to the pressure that Adrian felt in trying to help you know, resurrect this storied program. Okay. That's a lot. Just, that's a lot for a kid. I don't even know how yet. So Adrian felt that weight. Now, what I always say, and people don't like this, but you understand it, Adrian. And I think a lot of people understand. I think a lot of fans understand it. Maybe they don't want to admit it, but think about Adrian's situation in that offense. He didn't, he had a bad group. Of, I mean, not, it's not, a, it wasn't a good group of receivers no. in terms of power five. I'd say maybe one of the worst in power five, if not the worst. Okay. So he's got that to deal with weekly. He did. He had, his running back took a while to get going. Diedrich Mills. Um, he didn't have a guy. So he didn't have a guy behind him at running back that you could take some pressure off. So, so the receivers couldn't really take pressure off of him. And in fact, they kind of put pressure on him. Mills slow development sort of put pressure on him. The offensive lines development was, you know, it developed, but it was, it was, it was it, inconsistent yes. early at best that puts pressure on him. And Oh, by the way, there was snaps sailing over his head and, mm-hmm. and to his left and to his right. And I, I know that affected him as much as he would not talk about. It. I know it did. I can't, geez of course it did so yeah it's like that, that just seems like a lot for a kid to have to deal with is is why i've been pretty apologetic and i think one of the i never want to be the former player that draws that divide of like you don't know what it's like because i think that's a <laughs> I, I just i don't like that i i really don't but i With that said, I do. I've always said the biggest disconnect between athletes and fans is injuries and health. Oh God, yes. And the other part of great point. The the other the other part of the conversation is here's a guy that didn't play his entire senior year with a torn with with a a torn labrum, bad shoulder. He hurts his knee in the first game of his freshman year. Then he, you know, he hurts his knee again and Northwestern his, in the Northwestern game, late in the Northwestern game, and and then has to have offseason shoulder surgery. So that is that is four pretty significant injuries to deal with in a not too terribly long span of time, and all that stuff adds up too. Yeah, you um, you said something really important. 
um, that I need see there's a disconnect with me. Um, be, I have to be more mindful of guys playing hurt. I, I, I think we all, not all, because you're, you don't, you, you understand it, but a lot of people like me who wasn't, you know, I wasn't a division one athlete and I've never really been that hurt to be honest. I've never really had bad injuries. Even, you know, I played in high school, boxed all that, but I never went through anything like a tour ACL, the worst is sprained ankles, you know? Sure. So now, so he's a division one athlete getting ready to play in the big 10 and he doesn't probably feel particularly good a lot of the time. And we don't, and I know what people are going to say, Nick, they're going to say, Oh, come on guys. That's part of it, but it's not an easy part. Of yeah, it. It, it, yeah. Right. Yeah, it Especially is. But when it's still you're hard. The guy that everybody's counting on. Yes. I, I remember catching myself saying last year on the show to Jake, um, Jake, if they're going to beat Wisconsin, see, we say things like this, Jake, if they're going to beat Wisconsin, Martinez is going to have to probably throw for 250 and run for a hundred. Well, <laughs> think about that. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, wonderful. Right. That'll be, that'll be easy. Um, so sometimes I think we just got to listen to ourselves a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I just – because I remember my body – you know, Coach Altman had a great line to me. To, I, I, my body totally fell apart in the final two months of my senior year of basketball. And, and I, you know, I'm in the training room. You know, I had to be in the training room for an hour and a half just to go through like a 60-minute walkthrough. You know, like it was bad. Oh, and, God, and, really? And, oh, really? Co- and Coach Altman came in and, and said, Ba, if you were a horse, we'd put you down, bud. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I just remember there'd be times I'd be going through warm-ups. You know, it's a packed house, and, and we're getting ready to play Wichita State or something like that. And I'm like, I can't even move. You know, like I can't yeah, move. I, and, and I'm like – there's there's that weak part of you that wants to get on the PA and be like, hey, just so everybody knows, I'm really not I'm I'm hurt. I'm not feeling yeah. good. But you yeah. also don't want to be weak minded and, and make an excuse. I just think like, I don't know. I just No, you do know what you just said's really important. And that, that that I do think see you gave me a couple columns out of this. That whole thing about frost, I never really wrote about that 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 issue that he might give a kid a little more rope because he got it that support from Osborne. That's something worth revisiting. And what you just said is really interesting about that disconnect we have. And we kind of say, ah, oh, you got to play hurt. You know, it's one thing to go to the office with a runny nose. It's another, it's another, it's another thing to play Wisconsin with a bad knee. Right. I mean, have fun. It's yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, and, and Adrian's not, Adrian doesn't make any excuses. No. I mean, we do it for him. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Sip, and I bet you're with me on this. With all the, with all that said, he's got to be better. Like that, yeah, that's he does. Not, you know, I mean. So, and I think if he were sitting with us, he would be probably appreciating, but we're acknowledging things. But he'd also be the first to tell you that he's got to be better. And there's no question that if Nebraska wants to take a step forward, they got to get more out of that position, and in, in particular, him. So, I think right. it's. And I think yeah, I think Scott saying that right. I think people probably appreciated it, you know, because. It was an acknowledgement that Adrian Adrian's culpable too. Sure, you know he's it's it's a, there's a level of accountability, um, and yeah. Now, so what I think it adds up to is Adrian having a pretty good comeback here. I, I, I think because because what you said is critical, and we forget that too. He has it in him because we saw it. Yes. Um, Sip, well, there's so many guys we've given the benefit of the doubt to that ain't haven't ever done a thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's different. Yeah, and the other part of the conversation, man, I'm going to tell you, Nick, there were coaches after his 18 season, the summer before 19, the 2019 season, saying, hey, Sipple, Big Ten defensive coaches are excellent, and the defenses are excellent. They're going to adjust to him. Sure. So get ready for that. They'll right. adjust to him. Now, the good news is now the ball's sort of back in Adrian's court. Mm-hmm. He, he can make an adjustment now, and the coaches can make an adjustment. And I, that – I don't know how I don't know how you quantify it, but I think that could help. Two things in your out of here, Sip. I want to talk about patience, and then I want to talk about I want to talk about Chenander. Let's uh, I want to talk about Chenander for a second because I've found myself defending Chenander a lot over the last two years, and maybe it's subconsciously because one of my best friends in the world is Barrett Rude, and so I you know you always try to you know be there for your friend. But I, I guess I've been amazed at how quick some people have been to crush Chenander, and we always want to play the blame game after every after every single Saturday now, we want to be like, all right, whose fault was it today? Was it the offense or was it the defense? And it seems like people have been 
quick to crush Shenander and reluctant to maybe criticize or point to the offense. I just get worried when I I look in my crystal ball. I was never on board with the firing of Mark Banker just because I know the importance of continuity. I'm not saying Mark Banker is, you know, Dom Capers or some great defensive coordinator or something like that. But I get worried that there to a certain extent there's a narrative that's already written and there's a lot of people that have that kind of want to write Chenander off and then then we're we're back on that carousel of, you know, change. And I think if there's one thing we need to learn from the past two decades is change isn't necessarily always the answer. It's a difficult, yeah, it's a difficult conversation in sports because it's sort of the nature of it, right? I mean, don't, Nick, don't they fire NBA coaches after eight games now right. sometimes? Right. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I don't think it's going to, I don't think that sort of conversation will go away now there's complicators and one is they allowed 5.7 yards per carry in big 10 play. Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, that's yeah, a big you, problem. it's a big problem. I mean, so they're, so consequently they're, they were bad on third down. Well, of course they were bad on third down because it was probably third and short a lot. Right. Um, they, they, um, so they can control some of it. Nebraska, you know, the Nebraska defense can control some of the conversation, but yeah, I, you know, if you're talking about that, is is Eric Chenander capable? Is is he um, is he a Big Ten level coordinator? Yeah, I think he is, and I think now I would say this, he's still pretty young, and yep. he needs. I think he's a, probably an example of a a coach that will get better with time. He's good already, but I, he'll get better. Um, I hope they're patient with him because of what you said. We've We've cycled through Man. an incredible amount of coaches at Nebraska. It's just it's been borderline incredible what we've done here. So I do think in the spirit of changing that direction, changing that well, it's sort of a culture really at Nebraska. It's become that way. Yeah, I think I hope Scott digs in on that and and gives him time within reason. I mean, the defense has to show though. Totally, I mean, that, totally you agree. know how it is. Yeah you know how this business is. You can't allow 5.7 yards per carry in big 10 play. Right. Um, so, so we'll, I, I'm with you, but you know, the defense does have to perform too. It's that sort of business. Last thing you're out of here, Sip. How do you think this pandemic impacts Nebraska's fans patience level with frost in this quote unquote rebuild? Because this is kind of a fact of life. Oftentimes when there's the threat of losing something, when you get it back, you're just so damn happy that it's back that you'll look past its condition or any other ancillary parts to it all, if that makes sense. Do, oh, you, makes sense, yeah. do you feel like there is, on some level, this, this impacts the psyche of the fan base with this football program as it moves forward? Well, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's a tough... It's easy to say now, isn't it? This is that time of year. Everybody packs patience in July. You know what I mean? But when games come, you snap back into it, you know? Yeah. This is an extreme situation. Um, but I don't know. I, I just know this. It's always it's always been striking to me too when we have these conversations about patience and we don't we don't actually think forward to Saturdays when the games are being played. If, you know, if Nebraska looks really strong in this season, I mean, if they, if they come out and say a 10 game schedule, 10 game conference only schedule and win eight or nine games, I don't think that we would write it off and say, well, you know, that was great, but it wasn't really normal. So I'm going to diminish it. I don't think we would do that because I think it would be, it, it, it would mean this, it would mean we're seeing really good football. Yeah. Okay. And it would, and we know it. We know it when we see it. We, you know, Nebraska fans. I mean, fans all the country know it, but Nebraska fans are pretty high end, intelligent, and they'll know it now. And conversely, though, if they're getting battered around by teams in the same situation, then it's not. I don't. I don't. I think people would still be pretty. Yeah, I think they'd be pretty judgmental about it. I kind of like to think not, right? But I think they would be, and I think I think most reasonable people would also understand 
the nature of the situation. But man, when they, hey, when they kick the ball off and yeah. it's it's on, yep, th- there's going to be judgments made. It's That's just how it, it is. Works. It's just how it is. Steve Simple, Lincoln Journal star. Uh, you know, read his columns. He's awesome. Uh, listen to his morning show with Jake Sorensen, ninety-three-seven. The ticket. Uh, Sip. This was everything I could have hoped for and more. You were really gracious with your time. You know, I think the world of you, pal. And uh, we'll be in touch. We'll do it again. All right. I'd love to. Yeah, it was super fun. And I, you gave me some, you gave me a couple columns. So there you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it, Zip. Thank you, partner. All right. My thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402 493 1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.